0: Today's episode of the Ryan Russillo Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like sports, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. I think going into it, hey, would you rather watch NBA players play video games against each other or watch NBA players, WNBA players play horse at their respective homes? Uh, I would have thought more people were going to like people watching people play horse, but it was unexpected that more people were like, actually, I think I like the video game thing a little bit better. That's kind of how it played out. I'm not knocking horse. I think everybody in a ridiculous set of circumstances is trying to figure out a way to put some stuff on TV. So I will uh, I'm not criticize it, even though, yes, I don't think it was necessarily something I would ever want to watch. But I applaud people for trying to be creative and come up with some kind of content right now. So uh, shout out to those people. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today. All right. Here's what we got. Saruti. Back on the show, he has uh, some career stuff that we want to talk about a little bit. I I do think the feedback has always been that you guys like when we do some of the inside ESPN stuff from time to time. I probably still do it a little too much, but I think everybody sort of likes it. Like we always get great feedback on it. So you know what? I just every now and then we'll start telling some stories from all that kind of stuff. But we have a mailbag uh, which is chock full of good stuff. The average mailbag age maybe twenty, uh, and I'm being a little sarcastic, but man. The show trends young, but that's what advertisers want. They want your young, bad decision money, except for State Farm. They're amazing. Um, No, I'm just kidding around here. But I do want to talk a little bit about roommates because I have not had a roommate forever. So I'd like to do, I'm going to do my own roommate self-scattering report. I'm going to give you a breakdown of my roommates. I have not had really steady roommates since I had one roommate in 1998. Oh, I had another roommate in 1999 for like half a year as I was finishing up school. He was a great roommate. But I'll lock in on like the last time I had multiple roommates, and it has been over 20 years. I haven't had roommate in a really long time. I'm a a no-roommate guy. I'd rather be broke. Uh, Even when I couldn't really pay for anything, I still lived in a place by myself in Boston because it was just really the only way I was going to operate. And I knew I was watching a million games, and there'd be weird schedule stuff. I'd be in and out all the time, so roommate wasn't really going to work out. So I think in times like now, when everybody is stuck inside together, for the most part, um, it'd be nice to go over the roommate stuff. So so Surudi will... Do that maybe a little bit later with us, but I'm going to go ahead. Kyle, are you down with this? You have roommates, right? You must.
1: You live in oh, LA. yeah. I've had roommates forever. I had roommates forever. Many different ones. Are you a good roommate? I've gotten much better. I've gotten much better. I'll tell you. I, I had an apartment when I was 19. <laughs> uh, not even a college thing. Like, I was out of college. And just, you know, that was bad. And then college was really bad. And, you know, I kind of worked my way up to right now, which I'd say I'm, I'm pretty good i'm pretty good now what are your strengths what are your
0: strengths as a roommate
1: i'm not really phased i'm a heavy sleeper i'm that ne- you're never gonna get that uh volume text from me i'll just ride it out even if it does bother me a little bit I'd be like you know i really don't want this flipped around the other way golden rule sort of thing so i you know i'm, not, I'm never like dude can you please turn your tv down it's just I'd, I'd rather not not do that also i guess if the cleanliness ebbs and flows if the other dudes like really not caring i'd be like all right well i'm gonna gonna ride this for a little while until we both start to care again and it's tricky man i've never actually lived alone so
0: yeah some people just aren't built for it some people really want roommates like when i moved out here to Manhattan beach a couple guys were like hey do you want a roommate and i'm like why so i can pay for a nice place so you can live with me like no (laughs) way like i don't i don't want a roommate are you kidding like no way that's not happening um yeah, you know, we used to make jokes like a bunch of bunch of guys that we went to school with stayed together in a house until their early 30s and guys made fun of them like these guys all have good jobs and they still have roommates over 30. Like, what the hell's wrong with them? And I'm and I'm thinking, like, can I move in? Like, let me know when so I'll sublet for three months. Can somebody so even though I don't you know, I just knew I wasn't a roommate guy. I loved the idea that it still existed from from one circle of friends. I'm going to go ahead and shock you guys. I wasn't a great roommate uh, early on. I I think I'm a very loyal, caring friend. Like, I'm somebody who you can, you know, I got your back. If, If I like you, I've got your back. I've always felt that way. But I definitely was not, it wasn't just being immature, okay, because that part of it was true. I just wasn't real housebroken. You know, I was the oldest of five, and my father was a real whatever guy, like, with growing up, you know, if, if we were making peanut butter sandwiches, we'd have a knife, he'd stick his finger in the peanut butter and then make a sandwich and hand it to you. And you're just like, you know, back to back to whatever you were doing. Um, I actually think he kind of got off on that a little bit. And so I, I just didn't, like, understand certain things. I wasn't a mess. I wasn't always dirty. I wasn't clean. I wasn't gross. But I just, I don't know, there were little, like, things that I just, didn't quite understand. Uh, they, I wish I had had like an older brother or just somebody to go, hey, this is kind of how you do this stuff. Like y- you need to understand these things because it was the first time I'd ever really been away from home. And living in the dorms is a different than kind of getting an apartment with everybody. But the first time I'd ever had an apartment with anybody was, was when I was 21 years old. So I was loud. I never went to class ever. I don't even know if that makes me a good or bad roommate. I could have my whole bags packed up and ready to go And, um, I would, the second I would hear like the first little buzzer of Sega hockey going off, I'd be like, oh, are you guys, are you guys going to play? Like, yeah. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I don't know. This environmental law class. Like, I'll probably get a C. I'll be fine. Didn't. And I would just sit there and play. So I don't think that makes me a bad roommate. Money was always an issue. Real peaks and valleys that last year. Uh, where I was in school, where sometimes I'd be flush with cash, other times I would not be. And so, if you handed me a bill to handle, there was a really good chance it wasn't like I was stealing from my roommates. I just wasn't going to send the check in on time because I just didn't. It didn't bother me. Like people that were, hey, the first of every month, write out all of your checks. Let's all sit down and hammer out these bills and be like, why would we do that? Like X Files is on. You know? I just, yeah, like that's that's what I mean by immaturity. It wasn't just I didn't know how to do things. I just didn't even understand why they were important. Um one of my real bad traits like everybody liked that I had music and was loud when it was fun but when other people didn't want me to be loud but you could say hey can you not be loud and I'd be like all right yeah no problem like I wasn't a jerk about the whole situation. Uh I think one of the things I did that really sucked now is I would leave wet clothes in the washing machine. Now I do it all the time still but it's just my place and it's my washing machine. What I didn't understand is, well, wait a minute, if my wet clothes are in the washing machine and there's nothing else in the dryer, why can't you just throw my stuff in the dryer and then throw your stuff in? And there was a real kind of Mason Dixon line of beliefs in our, in our house on that one where the guys from Mass were like, yeah, just take my wet clothes, throw them in the dryer, hit start, and then you're good to go. And like, let me know. It's like, no, I'm not going to put your clothes in the dryer. I'm going to take your stuff out, leave it out wet, let it get moldy <laughs> and stink. And then you're going to have to wash your clothes again. And your towels are probably ruined because you don't wash them enough anyway. So that's something I did. And I think there could have been a little bit of help. And now I can understand why people were so annoyed. But if I run through my full scattering report on, on me late with the bills, don't put me in charge of a bill because it's going to be even worse. Um, loud, but friendly and loyal. Not clean, but not gross and just down to hang if guys are hanging i miss hanging with dudes so much it's pathetic (laughs) that i'm this age but when i get together with like a couple buddies i'm like oh that's right like people hang out with each other and it's so much fun and i forgot how much fun like it could be the slightest thing it could have been the slightest thing and if three of my friends were on the couch being like yeah we're gonna sit here on the couch and talk about last night i'd be like In day off, I'm going to take the rest of the day off totally. In can't wait to just sit here and talk about stuff. And uh, that was that was my deal. All right, so I had one roommate who was uh scared to death to order anything on the phone. (laughs) Okay, and this is still like we had internet in the house and we had a guy that had internet, and it's still we just I remember one night being on a message board where one of my roommates got real deep and weird on a message board. But for the most part, um, it was it was not like people didn't have laptops out. None of us had cell phones. So it's all pre that. And. This this one guy just couldn't order food. He'd be like, hey, do you want a pizza? Like, yeah, you know what? Let's get a pizza tonight for dinner. We'll split it. Okay, cool. Here you call. And then I would do like, well, maybe I don't want pizza now. Like, No, you just said you wanted pizza. It was insane. Everything else about him was I'm not going to say everything else about him was normal. But um, he just. If he wanted food, he would try to get somebody else to want to go in on, hey, do you want to go on a, you know, two dozen wings and split them? Do you want to get subs from wherever? Do you want to split a pizza tonight? Okay, fine. Let's all figure this out. And he immediately, as soon as you said yes, he would hand you the phone. He would hand you the phone to be like, you order it. That's insane. Okay, I had another roommate, Chris, who I'm still very close with now, who was a big time sleeper, would stay up, no question, four or five in the morning. And it wasn't like he was drinking. He just would be up three, four, maybe Um, never before two ever. And if he did go to class, he'd get up and go and deal because he actually really tightened his ship up there because he wanted to run his own business, which he ended up doing. So he towards the end really was impressed with him with his dedication. But a lot of it was just trying to make up for all the time that he'd missed uh, for screwing around his entire senior year. But he would sleep in like no one I've ever seen in my entire life. Like when he decided he was going to sleep in, he might miss a day. That's the kind of sleeping in we're talking about to the point where it's still one of our favorite stories. Right around five o'clock Eastern was about the power hour. Guys would get their dinners kind of out, maybe a pre-dinner thing. Who knows? We'd all sit around and watch reruns of Seinfeld. And there was one time, I think Seinfeld, maybe back-to-back episodes back then. And for whatever reason, it feels like it was the 5.30 episode. Maybe we're exaggerating for 30 minutes just for effect. But he came out hair disheveled, boxers, scratching himself, shirt off. And he walks into the living room. He's like, hey, you guys, serious? I'm trying to sleep. And we're like, dude, it's, it's almost tomorrow. Are you kidding us? Like, keep it down. Do you have any idea what time it is right now? And then he went back to bed. He was pissed. Then he woke back up at like seven that night and then apologized. He's like, that was pretty weird, huh? He's like, it was pretty late. One buddy we're still close with, narcoleptic, fell asleep all the time. People cover him in a blanket, take pictures of him. Kind of mean, now looking back on it. Um, Another roommate who was just easy to get along with everybody. There's no real negatives with him at all. He wants to come on the podcast. It's still probably not going to happen. And then the last roommate, his power move was he would, if he wanted to get up and use the bathroom, he'd put the remote control to the TV in his pocket. So that when he came back, he'd still be in control of the remote. Control. Damn, that's devious. That's, that's nasty. And finally, it took us a while to figure like, hey, change this up. We're like, I, who's got it? I don't know. Who's got it? Who's got it? And then I think he pulled it off for like a month or so. And then finally, like one day, he sat back down. And we're like, wait a minute, you get up and you take the remote and stick it in your pocket when you go to the bathroom. And we're just at the mercy of you because you don't want to give up the remote when you come back. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, pretty much. I was like, wow sinister all right let's talk to saruti but first we're all stuck inside right now trying to keep calm and carry on while figuring out ways to stay healthy and connected when we're stressed and don't sleep well our immune systems weaken and become more prone to getting sick and the best natural way to boost our immune system is through great sleep and right now it cannot be more important to have a product like the whoop fitness tracker whoop is the best sleep monitor and fitness tracker out there. It's the gold standard for sleep tracking has been proven to improve sleep performance by helping members build better habits like recommending when you should go to bed and how much sleep you need based on what happens that day, whether it's the new NFL CBA or the NBA analytics and the salary cap. You know, I love data and whoop collects data about your body 24 seven and gives you a better understanding about your well being, along with personalized, actionable insights to optimize your performance. It accurately measures things like heart rate Variability, resting heart rate, sleep, recovery, and strain. Whoop even has a built-in strain coach feature that actually sets exertion goals so you can work out without losing out on your fitness goals during this self-quarantine. Make the best out of the situation. Optimize your sleep performance with Whoop. Sleep better. With personalized insights and strengthen your immune system, train optimally and don't get out of shape while you're stuck home. For my listeners, Whoop is offering 15% off with the code Rossillo at checkout. Go to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com. Enter the code RUSILO, R-U-S-S-I-L-L-O. Two S's, two L's. Check out to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter. Optimize your performance with Whoop. All right, we bring in my former producer, And uh, on-air talent, Steve Cerruti. So it's good to talk with Cerruti, who is back. You're still in Connecticut, right?
2: Yeah, man. Hanging out in uh, your old hood, Glastonbury. What's up?
0: That's right. A little Glastonbury time for me. Shout out to Sayulita, which uh, are they doing it to-go or what?
2: Oh, yeah. So they've got, we've done it several times. They've got your fajitas. But the best thing is they've got the to-go margaritas now with, with tequila or without tequila. So they give you a mason jar. I think they make like eight or so. You bring your own tequila in there. It's been a lifesaver through this whole thing. So they got you hooked up.
0: That's good. Because, you know, there were so high end Mexican food um, that they just they wouldn't even do takeout. They did it for me once. And they were kind of like it was almost a scolding of just, so you know, I don't really do this. And I was like, did oh,
2: jo- did you drop a do you know who I am?
0: No, they did know who I was. They were like, that's the guy that comes here and reads and highlights articles by himself in a booth and eats like $60 worth the food and is always sitting him by himself. Um, all right. Well, cool. That's good to know because it still is the craziest thing in the world that the best Mexican food I've ever had in my life is in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Right. I'm sorry. It's, it's true. And people are going to scream from Los Angeles and say, oh, my God, you're an idiot, whatever. I'm like, all right, fine. Whatever. You go to Glass Glastonbury, get back to me. Okay. So I went through my self-scattering report as a roommate and then broke down some of my roommates. I haven't, you're now a roommate for life. That's what being <laughs> married is. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my guess is you are a good roommate.
2: I'm a great roommate. I mean, I don't think yes. that's surprising to anyone. I'm clean. Uh, I'm not loud. I, I feel like I'm respectful of other people's space. I'm a big video game guy. So it's not like I'm walking around making a ton of noise. Like I'm kind of to myself a lot. Uh, that doesn't that does annoy my current roommate, which is my wife. She's not super pumped about all of that. But like, I don't think you could. If, if we're t- like, remember Smallman used to always say that she was like the wedding date, like the perfect wedding date, right? I would argue that I am the perfect roommate. Now, I don't know if like I'm 31, I don't want roommates again. But if I had to, no. I feel like I would be the perfect roommate. Like, there is really is no flaw in my roommate.
0: Whoa! So you're you think you're kind of like a LeBron James, like you can't. What are the yep. downsides? You all right? Maybe arrogance maybe, is the only negative. Maybe yeah,
2: leadership <laughs> could be a problem if we're talking about like camaraderie within the thing. Cause I'm a little bit of a loner. I don't know if I'm a natural born leader, but I will say like there the, the negatives. Like the talent is there. Like I'm going to sit here and I'm going to. I'm a good cook. If you need to, I'm not going to eat your food. I'm not going to drink your drinks. I'm very respectful. Like I said, I'll do my laundry on time. I don't leave food in the sink, which is my biggest pet peeve. So. I don't know, like, you know me, I'm not a super confrontational guy. Like, I don't, you know, I don't let things get to be super. Like, and I've had a couple of roommates and I got to share two stories with you that are unbelievable, just horrific roommate situation. But me personally, you're right. Great comparison. I don't. I think saying the LeBron James of roommates is not out of the question.
0: So you, you don't have any negatives? Come on.
2: I mean, you know me, like, what would be my negative? Like, I don't, I, I seriously, I, there isn't, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head.
0: Um... If there were a confrontation, because there's always confrontations, and you're not confrontational, would you be? Would you be confrontational in your non confrontational way? Would you say, "Hey, Doug, I disagree. I don't want to debate it anymore." Where instead of like a house meeting, you would just be like, "I don't want to have house meetings."
2: I got, I have one. Uh, I am like a little bit of, of a control freak. So if there is like if we're picking out colors of walls or like what music we're playing. At night or something whatever like I am a control freak in that way but I feel like I'm always I'm always right so like it's not like I'm down for what I'm trying to I'm a crowd pleaser like I'm not sitting here trying to like take ownership and be this guy who's an all about me type guy I am uh, I am about the team we're talking about a roommate situation but I do like to have control of the situation so maybe that is why my one downfall is that I'm not good at like you know letting other people have their say in things
0: Wait a minute. So you just said, you just said, I'm always right. So if it's late night and you throw on Bon Iver, that's always the right call.
2: Yeah, but it wouldn't be super loud. That's the thing. Like, and it, 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 so you're it, respectful
0: of neighbors, even yeah, at a young age.
2: Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Never been a loud music guy. Never been that guy who's making a bunch of noise. You got to call the cops on. Um, hmm. If anything, I think people would say I'm a little bit too myself too much. Maybe, I, you know what, I, like it's not a pl- doesn't play nice with others type of situation. It's more of just a is only likes to be by himself in his room. Potentially playing FIFA or listening to music. That might be my one downfall.
0: So not rottery is okay. not there. Yeah, a lot of isolation plays. But you're saying they're still efficient. You're definitely like, look, very, my ISO, right. <laughs>
2: definitely <Okay>. very efficient. <laughs> definitely very efficient. I will say there is no, um, there would be there would be no like J.R. Smith situation in the in the 20, what, seventeen finals where I'm forgetting time situation score or whatever like I'm always I know what the deal is I know when trash day is I know when we're supposed to feed the dogs like I'm all on top of all of that stuff bills as well so you don't have to worry about that with me whatsoever
0: bills also you're on top of bills so you have a day that you set aside and go hey today's bill day
2: well the thing is now with my roommate situation being my wife she typically takes care takes care of all that but beforehand yes i was on top of all that stuff very much like the team leader of ah. the bill situation in the house
0: If this is all true i, I mean, know the only thing right i mean the only thing i'm thinking could be a negative is that you're a liar because it's so <laughs> good <laughs> but yeah. i know you're not a liar i know you're not a liar okay all right there you go uh roommate scouting report from Ceruti on that one okay let's talk about
2: what what is yours real quick because I feel like you loud loud Loud. yeah I mean the DJ equipment now would be a little aggressive but I don't know how much you even whip out the DJ equipment anymore like I don't know so
0: no but I had it I had a dual cd pitch control JBL monitors and I had it in a bedroom but see, the thing is, is that Burlington used to do these things where they would pass, as I explained somewhat earlier, they would pass these 24-7 noise violations, and they did it the summer before we came back for a senior year. So, um, and they do that when the kids aren't there to vote. Not that a bunch of us were going to get out and vote, rock the vote, uh, on local elections and ordinances. So, you know, it was always this weird town ta- because it's this beautiful town, but it's still more locals than it is college students. But basically half of the downtown is is empty during the summer. Although some kids would stay and live during the summer. And then they pass these things. So we came back up. And I remember I just put rage against the machine on when I was taking a shower in the middle of the nice. day and it was incredibly loud and somebody called and um, I came downstairs in a towel to a, a cop giving me a hundred dollar fine. Female was like, cop. Hey, I like bulls on parade too,
2: but you got to tone it down a little
0: bit. She was kind of laughing at me and I was like, <laughs> look, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what to tell you, you know, one time I got in trouble because I went. God, this happened to me twice. Showering, I was showering in the dorms, and one of the other guys um, that was just in the mix came into my room and turned everything all the way up and then left, like thought it was funny. And then I came back, and there was cops outside of my dorm room, and I'm in a towel again. I didn't even realize the correlation there. Twice in a towel. Interesting. And they were big they were guy. like, yeah, big shower guys can't stay loud but clean as hell. And- <laughs> They, they, uh, they're like, what are you doing? And I go, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm like, I wasn't even in there. They're like, you put it on and you left. I go, no, why would I, I was like, why would I do that? And obviously, you know, the time when I was older and I had a house where I was running out with all the guys that I ran through, that one made sense. But no, like another guy, and then I got in trouble for that. He's like, hey, sorry. I was like, so you just went in my room and like cranked it up in the dorms and left? I'm like, you weren't and even I mean, in there.
2: That brings up a great question though. Would you rather have a roommate who is loud and dirty or clean or no so what am yeah I, I know
0: what you're trying to do here yeah loud, loud and, and clean and clean
2: or dirty
0: and, and quiet wow that's first take may have a new b block <laughs> embrace the bait dude yeah uh i i i'm look i'm gonna i'm gonna go i wasn't either though i mean i wasn't like aggressively sloppy i just i was in the mindset of not caring kind of kind of clean now i'm a freak like i don't like anything anywhere like people come to my places yeah. now and they go there's no there's no pictures there's nothing up and i go i want japanese minimalist minimal
2: exactly yeah yes, i don't want anything
0: yes i would so, probably
2: go i would probably go clean and loud i would be less pissed off if you were loud than if you just like left dishes and dirty laundry and shit and like half eaten sandwiches around
0: i also think loud is is more fixable you'd be like hey can you turn it down like, if a guy's dirty, it just means that he grew up in a situation where he's, like, the youngest sibling or he's such a mama's boy. Like, you can, see, you can see patterns of how, like, screwed up a kid is with the way, like, rules were applied or not applied. Like, that's the real learning experience in college. I mean, obviously, the degree helps you get a job and all that stuff. But when you start to go, oh, wow. So, basically, everyone picked up after you your entire life and then you were 20.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I I learned in college that, like, I learned what self-awareness was and how important of a quality that was for some people and how some people just had no idea what that even was or had no idea what they were doing to other people. And to me, that is the most important quality in a person is self-awareness these days. And I did, you're right. If I learned anything in college, this is how important self-awareness is.
0: There you go. Okay, so let's talk about your career um, because people know Cerise, a longtime producer was on the show for a while. Went to Mike. Mike came back. Was a straight up the main producer for the show, and then was also the main producer for the Will Kane show. Left to be on air, and here we are.
2: Yeah. So uh, I was at what was at ESPN for eight, almost nine years, as you said, and I I loved it. I didn't I didn't want to leave because That's I didn't great. like it there. It was great there. I, I but I, I always say I was fortunate enough to work with people like you and like will and i'm you know scott and other guys who were super dedicated and helped me out and taught me a bunch of stuff so it wasn't the situation where i was like i couldn't you know i I want to get out of here it was a really tough decision for me and uh it was sort of presented to me to be one of the sort of lead hosts of a new nba sort of podcast show that intercom was throwing together it was like a digital type show something that they were trying something that was new and uh, we did it, I did it with Brian Scalabrini, I did it with Kendrick Perkins, I did it with uh, Ryan McDonough, the former Sons GM, peron Butler was involved, a bunch of people. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. And I felt like it was something that I couldn't turn down, something that I had to do. And you know me, Ryan, like, I know there are a lot of people behind the scenes producer people who think that they should be on air, think that they are just like basically waiting their time until their future talent. I don't, I never really thought that way. I never really looked at it as I can't wait for my opportunity, for my moment, right. To do something right. To get out of here, and be the star. Um, I kind of always liked my role. And I was always appreciative of you and Will for sort of letting me have that sort of on air thing that sort of evolved as the years went by of me being a producer. So I left, um, which was a really hard decision. I left Will's show, uh, what was it? Last, in the last summer to do this new show, um, to the new show, Scal and Pals, the NBA show. And, um, Unfortunately, it didn't work out. I'm here. Uh, Intercom ended up having some struggles and laid off a bunch of people. And I was one of them. And, you know, it sucks. Uh, it sucks for a number of different reasons. It sucks because obviously here we are in the middle of a pandemic and I'm sitting here going, shit, like, what the hell am I going to do? Uh, so that sucks. And then the other part that I think really sucks is that I didn't I didn't actually get to truly fail. Right. I didn't get to reach because, you know, it was basically supposed to be a year project and we were supposed to go through the entire NBA season. And unfortunately without NBA basketball and the future of what that is, they had no idea when they were going to, you know, going to come back. So they kind of had to just pull the plug on it. We, you know, everybody's losing sponsorship deals. money's a big issue for pretty much everybody. Uh, so they had to pull the plug on it. So it sucks. Um, I'm obviously really, I'm obviously sad about it. It's obviously a, a pretty big bummer, but I look at on sort of the bright side of this. I got to, I got to hang out with Kendrick Perkins. I got to hang out with Brian Scalabrini. I got to hang out with, um, with Ryan McDonough, like guys that like legitimately know hoops and talk hoops with them every single day. And for you, I mean, Ryan, you and I know, I mean, you're like my main guy to talk hoops with. So it was definitely stepping way out of my comfort zone. And so it sucks that it didn't work out and it sucks that I didn't get to see it necessarily through. And obviously I know people during the time are going through way worse situations than I am. So I have some perspective on that. Yeah, but, right. um,
0: no, but, but I like don't nobody regret. wants I, to lose their job.
2: Yeah, exactly. But I, I'll, I'll end by saying this. I, you know, as much as I would have liked to have seen it through and have it succeed, I'm still happy I got to do it. I'm still happy, like with your guidance of sort of trying to help me navigate my you know, career and, and different paths that I'm going through. So it sucks that it didn't work out. I'm here. I'm now officially a free agent. So I'm ex- I'm, I'm not one of those people too, Ryan, you know me. I'm not like, a, oh, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like I think bad things happen and shitty things happen. That's just life. And then you just kind of deal with it. But I am excited to see whatever's next. You know, whenever we kind of as a society get through this whole thing, I'm pumped to uh, to try something new and do something else. So um, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm 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 you know, hang a lot more free time at home. I'm not sure that my wife's super pumped about that, but uh, I'll be all right. And it's uh it's something that I, I don't regret and that I'm happy that I got to do.
0: Yeah, you had to take the opportunity when we were talking about it. It's like, look, go see if you like it. And I don't know if now you just want to be on air, if you want to do some hybrid thing, kind of like what you were doing before. Um, you know what I would think is is interesting because back, you know, when I if I lost an on air job. And really, the only one I've ever lost is, is when we were laid off back in Sporting News when they just got rid of the entire lineup. I mean, they ended up just selling out time to like religious radio and whatever. So like the station was over. Um, but the way they did it was so dirty because of, they gave me like a fake contract extension where I turned down other stuff. I've been over this before. But, um, you know, that was it. You just didn't know. And now when I see people lose jobs, and I'll just keep it to sports media – like the move is you go right to Twitter and let everybody know. And that's really probably what you should be doing. So I'm not criticizing it. And I'm thinking like, look, if I lost a job and I'd have this vehicle, but I I guess it might be a generational thing where there's still part of me that's like, all right, look, you by all, like, you got to figure out, get the word out there, let people know this is a way of networking. So there's far more, I would say it's like 80%, 90% positive, but I'd admit there's probably a 10% part of me it goes, I wonder if I lost my job, if the first thing I would do would be to tweet to everybody, hey, I lost my job, but I can't really tell the person that they shouldn't do it. It's probably the thing you should do. And you didn't do it.
2: No. And I I, I sort of struggled with how I should say this because, you know, obviously when I got the thing, it was like, oh, I'm going to go over Twitter and tell everybody because I want everybody to subscribe and listen and I want everybody to be pumped for me. So shouldn't I also with the highs also sort of acknowledge the lows of right? Like, all right, it didn't work out. Should, I should be transparent about that. So I did sort of struggle with that. But at the end of the day, I'm just like uncomfortable with, I, I I was, I was, I guess I'm uncomfortable with like the sympathy that comes with it I, and not, and not that I don't appreciate it, but it's like. I don't want to be like this pity party thing of everybody being. And and listen, if you if you lost your job and you went on Twitter and you said that, I'm I'm, I'm not like judging you or mad at you. It's
0: just not who. No, I it's, it's not who not. It's Honestly, Yeah, right. I I do think it's a person because it's really the right move. Like if you're it, sitting there, you're like, I need people to know that I'm available and I'm trying to yeah. get another job. You kind of have to do it. So I'm not knocking it, but I just I hope people listening to this can understand that yeah, there's a small sliver of because I would probably kind of be the same way. Like I have this really good news and I haven't tweeted about any of it, and I know once it gets out. It's going to be like a love fest for, you know, a few hours. And look, who, who are we lying to? Like, it feels kind of good. You're like, yeah. this is awesome. But I also think there's part of it, too. Like, you know, whenever I see like the sports media thing and it's and it goes, oh, you know, this is like this job is hard. The numbers are bad. There's all these people graduating with journalism degrees with all these amazing schools and the fact that you can just launch anything on your own now and then kind of be a credited person, which I think does sort of change the you know, if it took you 10 years to really make any kind of mark, then you'd look at it differently. And now if it takes a month to be on the air and have some sort of recognition with a few followers on Twitter, then, then I don't know that you look at the the career the same way. But I guess the point that I'm making is that when somebody goes, Oh, you know, this is the worst. I, I can't believe like, it sucks to lose your job, but it's also the numbers are really bad. Like the overall, I would never tell anybody to not chase their dreams, but the math on it doesn't work out for the amount of available jobs. And that's not even taking into account what's going on right now.
2: Well, the, I think it's funny, like the, the people that I, and I graduated college in what, 2010. The people that I graduated with shout out. that were in communications, like shout out QU 2010. I would say more than 50% of the communication school didn't go into anything that they studied, right? Because it's just, you're right, the numbers don't really add up. And I think to your point about, you know, any sort of person can start up their own thing and you know, have their own podcast or their own YouTube channel. That is true, but I think in a lot of it in sports, I think you still do need like the backing. I mean, it's not there are outliers. Like you can certainly make something on your own and make something of your own. I've got a lot of ideas that I want to throw forward, and who knows? Like we'll see if some of those you know come to fruition. But I think you it, it, is, it is still helpful to have the backing, and I learned this through this experience. It is still helpful to have the backing of a company like say the Ringer or say ESPN or whoever. One of these. One's that's pumping people out and giving you publicity because I think a lot of times you think, hey, yeah, like people like me. Like, I think I do a good job. I can go out and do my own thing. But I, I remember when you when you left, I'm trying to think, when you left ESPN, there were still people that didn't even know you left. They didn't even know you had a podcast, right, that are still, that, that were like big fans of yours, but they maybe don't, don't have Twitter. Like, it's amazing to me that like you think everyone is in your own bubble and that everyone's following you no matter where you go. And that's not always the case. Like sometimes like you need the publicity of of some, you know, major company that ends up helping you out, tons of helping yeah. you out. So that's always been sort of my thing. And I think I learned that a little bit through this process as well.
0: Yeah. Very few people can just go, okay, I'm gonna start this thing up. I'm gonna buy my own deal. Like I thought about doing it and I went over all the numbers. I looked at the whole thing, but to pursue the stuff that I wanted to do outside, like I looked at it as a small business. Like if you're gonna do your own advertising, hire your own people, do your own thing, and this is the only thing you're doing, then you gotta really set like a, a five year mark here of okay, now it might be something that I could sell. And maybe I sh- you should have done it. But I had I had different offers to like do something where I was gonna be the headline thing and then farm out like five other podcasts, but I just I don't I, I didn't want to I, like I have other stuff I wanna do. I have that's other stuff I wanna yeah, do. That's, I go, that's that's I go this is this is an opening up a a business here and um you know lucky enough to be with bill where i know that i benefit from being hooked to that it, it's rare the guy that could just say i'm starting this on my own on this thing like you can be hooked up with one of these podcast companies but there's still there may not be the site like and it's crazy because i'll still get instagram dms whenever i look at them cuz usually they're pretty pointless but imagine a guy that it, no, it's savvy enough to Instagram DM me to even pull that off. And then his question is, "I miss you on the radio. What have you been up to?"
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I'm always dumbfounded by that. And there were so many people, in following the Twitter feed of the show when you were at ESPN or whatever, who would tweet at me or something, and and have no idea what you were doing, despite the fact that you had been doing something new in a very public form for many, many months. Like it's, I, it's, it's always amazing. To me. I don't know. But then I don't the. Know what the,
0: the Right. And the podcast numbers never, like you and I, how many hours we would spend going over all the numbers and all the reports and the monthlies. And we would look at everything and be like, what is real? Like what's going on? So like if I were to look at it, so at ESPN, um, Zach Lowe always had the number one download. And then fantasy would crush during football season. Mm -hmm. So I would always felt like I was the number two download, which also sucked because I didn't get to keep my feed from 10 years of SVP, Rosillo and Canal Rosillo. It got shifted to something else, and I started from zero. And then within six months, I was the number two podcast there. But whatever that number was at ESPN, it's not even close to the number that I have at the ringer. So I can't tell if the ESPN number is weird because I know the ringer number is awesome and thanks to everybody for listening to this whole thing shouts out and i would i would argue for whatever i'm doing right now as absurd as this is like 15 hours a week on a simulcast for 10 years for radio tv i feel like i'm reaching more people now or i i'm maybe i'm doing better i don't know i don't know what it is but I don't feel like post ESPN. I would have never thought like, "Hey, I'm as big a deal now as I was at ESPN." But if that's what it feels like with the success of this podcast, so
2: yeah. But it's also you know, and I think you're you landed in a spot that fits you super well. But also, I think everybody uses different metrics, right? That's that's it's like it's literally. I mean, that's a stupid phrase, but like it's like kind of the wild west in a way. Like we use different metrics at you know doing doing my show pure downloads some people you have to listen to this much of the show or certain percentage of the show like it's all different and there's really no um official way to measure that yet which is why some people i think kind of are able to take advantage of it but i mean well dude i
0: I mean there's there's nothing funnier than when something happens right away it's like oh half a million downloads last week like absolutely uh, there's no way a half of a million individual people sat and listened to your podcast last week. It's just, it's just not true. It's just not true. And so I mean we're getting a little inside baseball here, which is an awesome phrase. Not used <laughs> enough. But um I
2: guess and checkers.
0: Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, you know, it's not about the Jeans and Joes. <laughs> but it it's always kind of one of these weird things is is we're we're still like we're gonna look at right now and in in a couple of years ago. Remember all that stuff that we thought and like this was the next thing and this is the future. So I'm not worried about you at all. Like we're going to figure something out with you. Um, that's, that's a lock, but it is. We just got to,
2: we just got to get through this uh, as a society. We've got to get through this uh, little pandemic issue we got going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. Some places are opening up. China's numbers are really positive. I don't know if you read those. Yeah. They're playing baseball in Taiwan now yeah, too. I'm so not...
2: shouts out to them. Like what's up with like fake people in the stands. So I think good the for dumbest,
0: I think the dumbest I may have ever felt is when I read some, some numbers from china like a month ago was like oh this is promising and i was like wait a minute what are you doing like these aren't I ne- felt like i was early on that were you because then i read yeah. a thing this morning about russia and it was like russia china's mad at russia because they're withholding numbers you're like wait a minute what like you guys well, are mad at each other
2: you have the world like the world health organization correct me if i'm wrong literally sent out WHO. a tweet that still exists that said that like there they have not been able to show or it's not there's no animal to human interact uh, whatever or transmission right there's literally that, that they said that they tweeted that out
0: so yeah yeah I remember that then yeah.
2: then China is you know telling us oh this is the numbers and they're going to go back to playing in the CBA the basketball association pretty soon and I'm sitting there just going like why is anyone believing this and I feel like it's because it's we all want it, we all want it to be true we all want to we w- we want the the positive news to be the to write the right news when in fact it's not usually the right news and especially when it's coming from china so when the cba like and they're like oh yeah we're going to start up in the beginning of april i'm just like yeah i'm going to take the over on that one almost immediately there's just no way like i i just don't I, and and that's why like i've been probably super pessimistic about when sports will start up again in the states because I think a lot of the projections, people in the back of their minds are it's wishful thinking. They want it to return. They want baseball to come back on July fourth. They want the NBA to come back in June. Like Mark Cuban's out there saying, "Hey, I think we can get this thing started by what was it? Was it late May or something?" I think we want that to be true, and it's this great like unifying thing for the for the for our you know for our country. But I just I, maybe maybe that's my bad roommate rate' It's like a, I'm a little bit of a Debbie Town, but I, I just consider myself a realist, and that's what I think. I just think it's going to be a long time.
0: I know, I'm actually more positive than you are on this one. And I don't think it's based on our personalities. I just think throughout this whole thing, the like guy's been like, Man, you've been really positive this whole time. I'm like, that's me. Super so positive Ryan.
2: It's a new guy. The, the, I yeah, actually, The, the I, times have changed you.
0: That all that stuff though, the the negative Ryan thing, I get <laughs> I get I love it. I wouldn't say <laughs> pissed, but I just always feel like, yeah, I I would get upset about things that weren't good. And I would let people yeah, know. Yeah, you how would I get felt. pissed
2: off when people weren't like as invested as you, which is gonna be most people. And you know, right. like most people, like it's your show. So like when something would go wrong and you would get mad, rightfully so, people would be like, Oh, Ryan, impossible to deal with. I'm like, well, no, you just sort of screwed up like the intro to the show. Like, I'd be pissed too. Wouldn't you be pissed if it was your show? So yes, you got you got a little bit of and listen, I'm your guy. So of course people would be like, Oh, Screwy, just you know, back in his guy Rusillo, which is what I get all the time. Which I think it's, I think we disagree far more <laughs> than people like to lead it on to. Like I remember I used disagree way more. Like, well, right. Ryan, Ryan said this, so of course Ruby's going to be on it. I'm like, I don't know, man. I think we did disagree on a lot of things sports wise, but I think we sort of see the world the same way, did. but you're right. You got, you got a bad rap because everybody thought that your passion and you know, you wanted to do the best possible show that you could when somebody would screw up and you would be mad about it, that that was somehow some negative trait from you. So I don't know. I, I, that's, I think that's why we always sort of, I don't know, we're, we're in line.
0: And that's why I always think it's funny too, because like if you screwed up twice, I'd be like, okay, and then it's like, oh, so we're just gonna we're just gonna keep fucking this up every <laughs> time. Like, what do you think? You get ten in a row before I go. Hey, can we stop fucking this part up? Yeah, maybe and I, the you transition know, up. Right, and I wasn't ever really corporate. You know, I I was very construction site rules of lunch, just lunch, say yeah. You just go, hey, what are you like? You know, because I'd be like, hey, what do you not get about what's going on here? But honestly, like you and I both know there'd be stuff, there'd be mistakes made because somebody just didn't care. Like, that's it. It's just, hey. And then it's almost like, how come you want me to care this much? And you go, what? Like, it's ESPN. We're ESPN. Like, we're supposed to be the best, the most buttoned up. We are the standard. Like, don't you want to, like, kick ass? No. Like, okay, never mind. Now, you know what? We got to stop ourselves. Let's do some of the NBA questions uh, that Cerulee and I were talking about a little bit earlier before we do that. During this time of social distancing, connecting with friends over a beer today looks pretty different. As the original light beer, Miller Light has always been there to bring people together in real life through Miller Time. Miller Time is the moment for people to come together in real life to connect over a few beers, but having Miller Time is tough when you can't be with your people. Um, People are going to be real excited about Miller Time when you can have it again but you know what the house party apps little zoom deal little facetime little miller light in the background it's not a terrible idea like people are adjusting people are having a good time with this miller light is the beer that makes miller time possible miller light is the original light beer that tastes great and is less filling which means it won't get in the way of enjoying time with your people um miller light just feels like just like normalcy that's just off the top of the head that's not even in the script you know, When you know it's Miller time again You're going to go, you know what, everything's right Everything's going to work out, everything's going to be fine Miller Lite, the original light beer While you're home, enjoy a classic available for delivery today Celebrate responsibly, Miller Brewing Company Milwaukee, Wisconsin 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces You want to know why I know it's Miller time And why Miller time means things are alright I saw a guy the other day, the grocery store Case of Miller Lite Six bananas in his left hand wow. That's all he bought I was like, this guy's Not the hero we think we don't deserve, but the hero that's in need. Did I get that right? Sounds right. I followed. I followed. (laughs) Okay, more with Saruti. Okay, before we do mailbag, I wanted to go over a list of things. Bill and I had done a little bit of this on if we don't have any basketball, like what are the questions that we can't have answered? And I mentioned Houston. You know, Houston doesn't really have to answer the question about how viable their small ball approach is in the playoffs, because I still think it's a very good question, despite the great results they had right after it happened. Um, you know, there's all sort of like Philly's another one with Brett Brown. And if they were to have an early playoff exit, even though I could still probably make an argument for Philadelphia surprises people in the playoffs, despite the disappointment that they've had the regular season. You had a few, too, that I wanted to get to.
2: Yeah. So I, so, you know, what's funny about this is I had this sort of idea about like probably right when a couple of days after the Donovan Mitchell thing went down or the uh, Rudy Gobert thing went down and I saw you and Bill did it. So I was like, you know what, it's the same idea. Um, I promise I'm not, I know, I know how sensitive people are to stealing ideas, especially on this show. Uh, so I, I was like, let me give it some time. So I actually, I actually wrote down a list of things that I had that I was concerned about. And I was planning to do it on our show months later. Cause I was hoping nobody would know that I was basically doing the same segment that you Bill did. but I'm glad I'm able to do this and actually finally use this. Um, you want me to just go through my entire list?
0: Yeah, well, let's do a rapid fire on it And I'll tell you like good one, bad one. All right, All right.
2: I'll just go through the whole thing. I got them on my phone. First one, uh, without, if the season doesn't end, is it more or less likely that Giannis stays?
0: Doesn't end, so that means we get to see what version of this Milwaukee team and what they can do. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that it's... A, my quick thought is it doesn't matter either way. It just doesn't matter either way. Because I think we do that a lot. Like, oh, if he wins, he can leave. Like Kawhi, right? Like, oh, he, what, he went to Toronto, he can leave now. But if he had lost the Warriors, he was going to want to stay in Toronto to prove that he could win. Here's what Kawhi probably knew the day he got traded to Toronto. I'm not staying there.
2: It hurts, right? but it's the truth. Yes. Yeah,
0: and I, I think Giannis today, right, no, right now, knows what he wants to do. And yes, winning the title makes the breakup a little bit easier because you now have this thing that belongs to the city and belongs to the franchise. But I think these guys know... Here's, here's the way I would put it. It's probably like nine out of ten guys. It has nothing to do with the success or failure of the team. It's their own personal preference of which city they want to go play in.
2: Yeah, I think... I'm with you, and I think first and foremost, almost everybody you talk to, right, and you would know more than I would, but it, it seems like he's staying. He was staying no matter what, basically. The only thing that I could think of is, like, if they had played out the season and they flamed out, say they lost, I don't know, say they lost in the second round or the conference final, right, and it was mm-hmm. bad. It was kind of like it was last year. Was it? Would it be more likely that he would leave in that scenario? So that mean, that being that if the season never actually officially finishes, he would be more likely to stay.
0: I'll give you that. I'll give you I'll, slightly. Yeah, I think it's I think yeah. it's a fair question, but I guess I'm too I'm still too married to the idea that most guys He's not just... going No, I, I wouldn't go that far. Although when he mentioned the Lakers like in that passing comment, like just he was theorizing Local radio here in L.A. lost their minds for like two oh, days. Man. Now, yeah, but by the way, that's what you have to do. You just do it, and then you start going like, okay, but if Giannis is, how do you fit, like what kind of actions are you running with LeBron, Giannis, and Anthony? They were breaking down whose ball it was in a close game. <laughs> they,
2: were, they were that far along. That's <laughs> yeah, incredible. Yeah. Hey, listen, shoot your shot. I respect it. Uh, all right, next one. Uh, and this is the one that you had. I know you had. What is the future of the Rockets and the small ball situation? Because everyone I feel like you would talk to the Dantoni thing, everybody thought Dantoni was done. He was so tired of the whole situation, whether it was ownership or barrel or whatever. It seemed like everybody thought he was gone. And if the season doesn't end, I kind of feel like wouldn't wouldn't Dantoni and those guys be more likely to come back and try it because they never actually got to finish it?
0: Yeah, that, I would agree with that one. Because I think Maury and Dantoni are aligned on this one. When you just look at the contract situation with Dantoni, and if it had been an early bounce, like I think this saves. Everybody. But yeah, I mean, I've been over this one an unknown and incomplete, a much better grade than an actual grade for the Rockets, because they could say, hey, look, we'll just we don't know yet. We don't know.
2: Like and you know, this. what sucks is I was hoping even if we did finish the season and say that they say that they flamed out in the second round, I think they would probably win in the first round. But say they lost in the second round or whatever. I, I, I was hoping they would bring it back again. Like add add a backup center at like you. I, I don't think the idea is so stupid that they shouldn't even try it again. Like I don't think in one season, even if it ends poorly, that you can say that it was an abject failure. Right. I think you have to tweak it. So I was kind of hoping that either way, win or lose, that they would try it again for a second year.
0: I'd like to see it again. You know, when you think about like different characters in a in a movie or something, I want the Rockets to exist.
2: Yeah. Because they're the only like team keep, that plays different.
0: I wouldn't go that far, but it's it's extreme. I just really what it is, is it's not I think it's a great analytics old school debate. I think it's a regular season playoff debate. I think it is all those things that we actually really like, even though we get really heated about it all the time, because for all of the success they had immediately with it and really that has more to do with Westbrook who just turned into a completely different player it unlocks him he was awesome for like two months after having probably the worst two-month stretch of his career going all the way back to maybe being a rookie I mean he was dreadful in the first half and then he's amazing and a lot of this stuff unlocked him but then the thing I always got back to was like rebounding rate and then certain matchup stuff but more often than not, when they had a big that was going up against a small ball thing, it was screwing the teams up because they didn't know how to attack it or they'd get weird with the way they attacked it. So it wasn't, it was almost like, yeah, whatever our size disadvantage is, we have this mental advantage over you because you're just not used to it. Seven game series, think my guess would be it plays out a little differently. And the rebounding rate numbers were pretty bad.
2: I was kind of hoping that they would play OKC in the first round because I would probably pick OKC in that series. But because. Um, at, as, at when the season ended, Houston was the sixth. They would be playing Denver. I think they could, be Den- I think they could have been Denver. I, I was just never a true believer in Denver, even though I love Jokic. But um, I was sort of rooting for that OKC Houston one. But we'll see how it
0: goes. I'm a believer um, in Jamal Murray now.
2: Well, obviously. Yeah, what's up? Uh, this is probably my favorite one. Are the LeBron homers and the LeBron fans, the super fans, that don't actually have a team, they just like LeBron, in 10 years, are they going to give LeBron half of a title and half of an MVP for this season?
0: When wow! So his, like, did you just go Buker on us?
2: I'm I'm asking the question: Will they? Will fans look back and go, "Oh yeah, well, you know, in 2020 the season didn't finish, but LeBron would have won the title, so you got to give him a half one there anyway." I guarantee I, you people would do that.
0: Yeah, like the worst people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I
2: don't. know. I, I think there would be a lot of people that would do that.
0: I always want to give him a a half ring for 2007.
2: I'd be more okay with that than I would this year. Yes, I would. I would. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think the. Like, you know what it is? Is It's this 1% LeBron crew that argues this stuff. And then the Jordan Twitter accounts that are the most insecure feeds of anything in sports. Because it's like, no, your guy's the best. Like, he's considered the best. Even if somebody tries to argue against it, they kind of know that they're wrong. Like, they're arguing with the 1% LeBron sycophants. And it's yeah. just, it's, I don't know. It, it's like watching a side stage Battle in a in a great war where you're like this actually doesn't this isn't going to do anything.
2: <laughs> I okay. Do you believe this? Because I heard Bill said this on uh Collins' show, right? That he thinks that the Jordan doc was got the green light because and M- too many MJ people were like making the comparison. Do you believe that?
0: Yeah, Bill's brought that up. I I don't know if it's the full reason for it, but Bill's position when we were talking about it, and I think we've done it on the air too, was just. Um, you know, too much has too much time has passed. He's been out of the league 20 years. You you have an entire generation, like with Kobe's passing today's players are like, look, Kobe's our guy because, you know, we grew up with him. Sometimes I have to remind myself like how young these guys are now in Mm -hmm. comparison to how old I am and the amount of games that I've watched that they've never watched. And so was it all strategically by MJ and MJ's team to remind people how good he was because he gets sick of hearing about LeBron? I don't know that it was the number one motivating factor, but it's not a terrible idea because I think that's what Belichick's done. I think Belichick, as he enters some of the last – I don't know how much longer he's going to coach, but he's been really accessible because he's such a historian of football. It's almost like he wants people to have more access to him so he holds up better historically and can show off a little bit.
2: I think it's ridiculous to think that you're going to make any LeBron – super fans you're going to change his mind you're just not going to change his mind right like those guys are just they're firmly and the mj people are firmly in. i mean maybe you're maybe you're like i don't know maybe you're affecting the people in the middle a little bit but i both of those sides aren't moving either way so i don't i mean maybe that's True, the reason or that's but, one of the reason that it happened but i don't i i can't see that actually having any impact on who the goat is for doing that talk.
0: okay but I'll admit this is a guy that wasn't always the biggest MJ guy. Like I would try to find arguments against it. I'd be like, "Well, wait a minute. If Russell is 11 and 0 with 13 years of game, like why why is MJ the greatest at 6 and 0 but Bill Russell isn't even brought up? If if we're going, "Hey, he's 6 and 0 in the finals, but Bill Russell's 11 and 0 doesn't count." Like that's that seems screwed. Well, cuz because I've I've gone back and watched the two of them and there's also part of this where somebody physically athletically like stuff isn't going to hold up. So I don't like dumping on the previous generations because I think it's also not fair that they didn't work out the same way. They didn't work on the same skills. They didn't have the population numbers where it's that man sharpens man thing that later generations go through because you have to start playing at such an early age against older guys, you know, dropping your rural kid off at inner city playgrounds so that he's just going up against more athletic and more um, intimidating people. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Um, so, I don't like just dissing every previous generation, even though when you look at the video of the whole thing. But I would say, because I've gone back and looked at MJ stuff a little bit more the last few weeks, because we've done some rewatchables and I watched some of the Pistons Bull stuff to see if anyone was murdered and they haven't been murdered so far. I'm still working on it.
2: <laughs> You're, yeah, your passive aggressive tweets about like the defense in that era is some of they're the not best even, stuff
0: on Twitter. They're not even passive anymore. Um, <laughs> they're just aggressive. And I'm, I'm just too repetitive because it's like, it's almost. Hey, do you guys want to keep saying how hard the defense was back then? Because imagine if there was a website where you could type in these games and you could actually watch them instead Ah, of just retweeting everybody else's stuff. It's G-O-O. It's two O's, G-L-E. And you just type in any game and almost all of them are there for you to watch them. It's amazing. And none of you guys want to watch any of these things because you want to just keep going on and on. So anyway, I'm railing. I'm railing making this point. My point is, is going back and watching MJ these five or six games the last few weeks there's little reminders of just even with me would watch this stuff going, Oh my God. So I do think there'll be some LeBron guys that have probably been talking LeBron up the whole time that have never watched any of this Jordan stuff. And they're going to watch in this documentary. They're going to have like a real moment. There's going to be an awakening where they go, Oh, wow. Like this guy was,
2: (laughs) what did I get myself into? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did I sign myself up for? All right. Next one. Uh, I like this one too. Uh, is it, is the uncertainty around the Sixers a blessing or a curse if the season doesn't finish because i i think you could make the argument that it actually hurts them because their timeline then gets pushed back because everybody wants to trade simmons and mb right and if it had it had say they lost in the first round they had a first round flame out i think they were like obviously that would be super loud to be like all right you got to get rid of one of these guys i feel like kicking the can down like another year is actually not good for the sixers i i argued that I think the best thing for the Sixers this year might be might have been losing in the first round because it would actually you know incite some real change in the organization. But maybe I'm wrong.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on this one. Um, I'm not I'm not saying you know, a first round because I still liked the way they were matched up even against the Celtics. Hey, did Scal think the Celtics team could win it, and did he mean it, or was he just making sure he didn't say anything negative because he's doing the broadcast?
2: Um, he said. I- He gave them a very low, I think we did like a, what's the ceiling type thing. And he gave them a very low percentage chance, but yeah, he said they can win the title.
0: Okay. All right. So, but if it's low, it doesn't really mean it, but yeah, I'm I'm with, I don't want to repeat all my Sixer stuff. So if you have more on that, but I agree on that one.
2: No, I just think like if they, if they lost in the first round or if something went bad, I think, like, I'm not saying, I'm not an anti-Brett Brown guy, but I feel like you probably do need a coaching change in there. You need to change something. So if we don't get the finish of this season and they bring back everybody next year, like, I don't know what the situation is going to be like with Horford. Maybe that just isn't going to be fixed and he'll have to be traded. But if you bring back, like, most of this roster and try to just go at it again next year, I'm not sure why it would be any different than it was this year. So I think the worst thing that could happen is that they don't actually get that terrible finish to a season or that flame out because then it's going to give them the sense of false hope of saying, all right, well, we get a year, everybody's healthy, we'll, you know, continuity, quote-unquote, we'll bring everybody back because I still don't think the Sixers are are, are that big of a threat in the Eastern Conference next year if they bring them back. I I really don't.
0: Look, if they get bounced again, why would we pick them to be a threat? Like if they, you know, the argument, the best thing that they can ever argue is that Kawhi shot yeah cost them a chance at winning in overtime you know so but
2: i don't know and then they're gonna go through milwaukee i don't know i feel like milwaukee's had their number they're worse this year they there's all this evidence that suggests that both of those guys are better when the other one is not on the court and i mean you could split the minutes as much as you want but at the end of the day like in crunch time in the playoffs in a game situation in a must win they're gonna have to figure it out and I don't know. Maybe it's a Brett Brown issue. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's not just the two of them as a fit. Maybe it's like a we need a coach from here that can figure this out. But nothing is going to change if the season doesn't end. And I feel like there's going to be some sort of false hope that they're going to fall into and bring the whole thing back next year, which I think would probably
0: be a mistake. Just to save you for some of the Sixers people, because there are arguments that Simmons and Embiid are fine together that it's all on Horford. Uh I've dug through those and I think you can. You can probably actually find more analytics that prove that they're better together, but I don't, I don't know. When I watch it, late possession situations, I go, I don't know. And, and that was the thing I kept getting to so much of this year. Their offensive rating in the fourth quarter was abysmal for a team that we're supposed to take seriously.
2: So. Yeah, but every year their their net rating on the court together has gone down. I mean, it's I mean you could say that their team maybe has gotten worse as well, but I, I don't. I just, yeah, I, there's I don't
0: there's I I've seen that one too because I use that in an argument. I'm just saying that. It, it is very political. Like mm-hmm. you'll find the number that argues you should split them up. It's there. And you can find plenty of numbers that are like, yeah. no, they're actually those two are awesome together. Everybody else sucks. Um, I just think that they are two guys that are a bad matchup for each other, um, which is what I've always said. We'll get to mailbag. But first, if you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food. And that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. This has been uh, really kind of one of those deals where you go, okay, what's what's going to work here? What isn't, you know, whether you're going to the grocery store, you're probably thinking about it. And I'm sure with the food delivery deal. But honestly, just go on the app and go the leave it at my door option, which I've been doing. And you just they leave it at the door. They take a picture like, hey, your food's here. So you don't have to have any interaction if that's something that's bothering you. But all the postmates, people that I've had show up masks, gloves, you know what I mean? All sorts of stuff hooked up, and it helps keep some of these local places going, um, which is really hard for these these local restaurants. And there's one near me that just opened up, and I'm like, ah oh, man, you know. So if you have the have the means and and the desire to do so check it out on postmates postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi they actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever i can think of delivery to convenience stores clothing stores you name it so no more trips to the store no more late night fast food runs i don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore just download postmates on ios or android find your favorites get anything you want delivered within the hour for a limited time postmates is giving our listeners one hundred dollars of free delivery credit for your first seven days to start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code RR Show. That's code RR Show for one hundred dollars off free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. How about that deal? You were you were on some of you were on the fence and now you're in. Anything you need, anytime you need it, postmate it. Um this is topical. By the way, everybody sends these in and says, don't use my real name. So let's go check in on Cole in California, Saruti. Hey, Ryan, I've been going through a difficult situation with my girlfriend of about two years. We go to the same college but live quite far away from each other, about two and a half hours. So as you can imagine, we're both upset we got sent home. Hey, kid, it's a virus, all right? It's a pandemic.
2: Yeah, sorry she about was, your love life.
0: She was taking the news harder than me, calling me every day in hysterics about how much the situation sucked. I had made plans to go see her soon, and we got home after we got home, which uh, consoled her a bit. He goes, here's where it hits the fan. A few days before I was supposed to make the trip to go see her, she calls me crying and tells me about how she was being forced to get tested for COVID-19. I thought this was odd because she didn't tell me about any symptoms. She swore that it was ridiculous and her family forced her to get the test done over some minor symptoms. Also, she lives in a rare area of the country where they have amphetamines. Uh, ample, excuse me, COVID-19 tests. So she said it was plausible that she was able to get it done. After calming her down, I had a tough decision to make because the results were not due to come back for about a week. She promised, all caps, that she felt fine and didn't need to get the test. She twisted my arm and without going into detail, said some disturbing things about why I needed to come. I begrudgingly took her word for it. Good writer here so far, Cole. I oh, wow. begrudgingly took her word for it and went on the trip. Welp, I got to her place, laid in her bed, itches away from her face, and she says, quote, mm, I really don't feel so good and haven't for a while. She had a low-grade fever, loss of taste and smell, fatigue and body aches. I could hear the, quote, it was at this moment, he knew he fucked up soundbite in my head at this moment. The following few days are some of the most stressful in my life. I kicked myself Or excuse me, I kidded myself to keep me sane because I'd already been highly exposed. Of course, the test results came back positive. The ensuing two weeks were not a lot of fun to me, to say the least. I was extremely foolish to have cared for her and stayed a learning experience at this point in life, I suppose. I'm completely okay now, thankfully. So I ask you, Ryan and Kyle and Saruti here. Uh, is this a forgivable or salvageable situation? I never got a genuine apology. She would asking me when I'm just going to, quote, forgive her already. So basically she said, I don't have it. My parents are making me get tested. I'm going crazy. I miss you. Come visit me. And yet she was highly contagious, likely had it, and begged him to come. And then he also got the virus.
2: Wow. Uh, lots of... Lots of chew on there. I would say, I mean, listen, everyone's going through some shit, right? So I guess you got to cut her some slack for feeling the way that she felt. But I mean, what are we doing breaking social distancing here? Isn't that like the whole point of this thing? Like, I know it's a difficult situation, but that, the whole point is that you don't go in and drive and see each other and hang out together. So I don't know, man, I kind of, I, if she hasn't apologized either, that would probably bug me. I don't know how I could repair this. situation. I, I really, I don't know if you could, I don't know
0: if I'd want to do this in the future. Kyle, you want to chime in here?
1: Man, I would just, I'd hate to have to be in that situation. You know, you'd love to be able to just, like, think about that part and be like, well, well, that sucks that we have to be a part, you know? I would just hate to have to, like, be in that mess. So, I got nothing, man. Sorry.
0: That sucks. As far as the <laughs> social distancing goes, though, like, people are actually still, like, I don't know. I'm not saying throw a party, but if you had a girlfriend and she came to your house, I don't really think that's that crazy. I mean, your, people are still going to the grocery store. You're still pumping gas and touching a pump, and you can wear a glove, you can wear a mask, you can wipe your hands down. Like, I understand if all of us were in these silos individually wrapped, um, that would be the safest version of it, but it's not realistic, so I don't, I don't know if it's a serious girlfriend she wants to see you. Here's the problem, though. She lied about not really having it when she knew she had <laughs> symptoms. Ugh. The reason she got the test is because her family thought she had it, And then at the end, it's like, eh, get over it. And there's obviously some other stuff being left out. Here's the problem: is that it may not be about this. And it's glad, you know, we're glad to hear that you feel better now, Cole. But what she's doing is she is she is giving you a preview to what she is going to be like the rest of her life. Okay, this is the person, this is the girl that you date, and then you take a break, and she bangs your best friend, and then you're like, hey, you know, that still really bothers me. And then she says. I was doing the best I could at that time. yeah. And any girl that's ever said that to me is horrifying because it's like, no, that's not an out. Like I'm doing the best I was doing at that time, the best that I could do. I'd be like, that's your best. That's your best. Seriously. Is that the argument here? This is the best you could have done. What the fuck is worse than that? So my point is whenever people give you a little, when you're younger, And you're getting a little, and it's hard to understand it when you're younger, even in your 20s. Like, I didn't know any of this stuff. But when people show themselves, especially when you're talking about, like, somebody you may really care about, and it's tough to do this. But add up all the things as if you're a third party and go, she did what? Like, tell this story to yourself as if it's your friend (laughs) saying it to you about his situation. And then let me know how quickly you would bail on that situation. And that's kind of what your answer is. So there you go.
2: Yeah, I I would say that's like the people that say, um, you know, I'm a self-sabotager or whatever saboteur. You're like, no, you just are a terrible decision maker. Like you just blame it on this thing (laughs) that that things haven't worked out in your life because you self-sabotage. Like, do you like look yourself in the mirror? Maybe you're just not doing things the right way. So I always hate like, oh, I don't I can't help it. I'm a self-sabotager. It's like the same people that look at horoscopes and say, yeah, I can't help it. I'm a Libra.
0: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, the, the self, I can't. I mean, we all know what we're... Most of us know what we're supposed to do or not do. Um, You know, so there you go. Okay, uh, checking in here. We'll call him the P-Man because he doesn't want to use his name either. All right, here you go. Um, You may not pick my email oh wait i, I remember this one now kyle you may not pick my email because of an immature tweet i sent to ryan uh around 2014 2015 without rehashing the whole exchange i essentially called you a fucking noob on twitter because you forgot <laughs> to add an attachment to an article you wrote or something like that the reality is that i was sorry ass attempt at being an ultimate ball buster and potentially sparking friendship all right a few things before we start here I don't remember that. I definitely don't remember your tweet from five years ago about me not properly doing an attachment. There's a very good chance. I didn't know how to do the attachment right on Twitter, especially five years ago. Um, but there's a really good chance we probably were going to be friends anyway. All right. Anyway, uh, what I preach most about you is, um, how you get to where you are. All right. There's a lot of compliments. These are really nice. I appreciate it, but I'm not going to read all that stuff. Anyway. What's impress- later. Yeah. Yeah. Just we'll, we'll, we'll DM each other and hang out. Um, What's impressive is you reached your goals at ESPN without selling out. I mean, I'm sure they're compromised, but overall, it seems like you maintained your identity and personality despite a rigid corporate environment. What I'm trying to say is how do you work through all the corporate bullshit to reach your goals? For example, I want to be a sales manager now and a vice president five, 10 years, but I'm stuck as a territory business consultant and have been for the last four years. Yes, I know what you're thinking. I do not suck. Oh, so he's good at his job. All right, that's good. I like that you got that out of the way. I actually put up big numbers consistently. Oh, man, we got like an Eddie House on our hands here. One president's club. Uh, for those that don't understand president's club, um, I have a friend in pharma who it's basically like, you you're bringing in serious serious numbers they fly out to like maui and then you get to pick out blenders and all sorts of shit it's like it's almost like the wheel <laughs> of fortune we used to be able to shop the showcase and they just dump an entire showcase on you the whole time so it's sick so this guy's serious if you won president's club um constantly look for ways to lead what the fuck am i doing wrong um i guess what's I don't know. What is he asking me? Did he just brag about his sales he, numbers?
2: Yeah, no, I think he's, I think he's asking you like, how oh, do stunned. I succeed? Yeah. How do I succeed without selling out? Because I this is something we talk about all the time, like playing the game, whether or not you play the game in the corporate environment. And as much as I hate that whole idea of like, you know, buddying up with your boss and laughing at the bad jokes and doing all that stuff and, and meeting people without actually any agenda, just to chat and like, you know, show face things that I never did basically in my entire career. Um, It does work. So you kind of have to do it. I don't know, like, Ryan, you, you're like a little bit of an outlier. So I feel like a lot of people who who do it your way are not the ones that are the most successful. But like, if that's who you are, and you feel uncomfortable, kind of being fake in that way, then unfortunately, man, that's just life, dude, you got to figure it out.
0: Yeah, look, I regret it. I like, I remember one time being at a late night ESPN thing, and it was, you know, a, a looser vibe because it was out in LA and it was in a post Espies thing. And it's seriously, you know, and everybody that chases those nights and tries to find like the best party. The reason we keep doing it is because every now and then a party comes together where it is that epic. And it's Kendrick Lamar and it's LeBron. I mean, Kendrick Lamar is performing for LeBron. It's where I met Miles Teller and his goon friends, and they were all awesome. And, <laughs> it was just one of those unbelievable nights but also part of that was connor shell who was about to like have a really important position at espn i was hanging out in the back with him there's a little bottle service deal and then i realized he was surrounded by like five on-air people and i went oh i'm like i and i just was like there to hang and i ended up like kind of hanging out with his buddy a ton and i was watching it i went oh Like, I saw Bob Iger at the NBA Finals, and I was still technically with ESPN at that time. I'd never talked to Bob Iger. Um, I don't even know if Bob Iger knows who I am. But I saw, like, three people that are on air go right up to him, and just, like, they were going to exchange those pleasantries. So, yes, I didn't do it, but I also have admitted that I should have done some version of it. Here's the only thing I can say. Let's get back to the P-man here, okay? Okay. What you need to do if you're not going to play the corporate game is you still have to find a way to play. You can't just say, I'm not going to play at all, okay? Because it's not, your numbers are great, but especially in sales, like you've got to figure out that face-to-face thing and make it harder on people. The human interaction, our nature is, as soon as there's some sort of human connection, decisions go better for you. They just do. And that's the thing I regret probably about ESPN the most because I just didn't do any of that stuff. Um, But do it this way. This is what I would have done. And I think you can do this in all businesses. If you know it's kind of like the corporate BS model, and there's going to be people you don't like that you're working for, you may not respect them. You may wonder how they got there, but you're going to have to find the guys that do have, um, you do respect. You can't just hate everybody because then maybe it's on you a little bit, right? And what you do is, and you can't, you probably can only do it like once or twice, but just say, hey, look, this is how I operate, these are my numbers. You know I want more. All of us are in this game because you want more. If I'm good at sales, that means I also want to reach vice president all these different things. I know I'm not playing the game. Do it that way. Disarm them. I know I'm not good at playing the game, but I want to know how I can still like fit in to this structure. But I want you to understand where I'm at. It's not that I don't like people. It's not all these different things. You don't even have to say like, hey, I'm not an ass kisser because then it means you're kind of calling your coworkers ass kissers. And that doesn't really go over well in the corporate structure. when you start zinging people left and right and saying how great you are. But just be real straight up and go, I feel like one of the things that holds me back is that I'm not great in the corporate structure, even though I'm so good in the sales thing. I want you to know that. And I want you to tell me how I can be better at these things. Even if you don't even believe that question, let that person that's in charge think you believe it. And then you may figured out a way to kind of BS the BS.
2: Like make a negative a positive. Be like, I know I'm not good at playing the game. You know, I'm just really concentrated on my numbers, right? I and mean, then show that you have great numbers. Be like, look, it, I'm kicking everybody's ass, but I'm spending all my time on that. But I do want to let you know that I still like, you know, want to, you know, you know show a good face and, you know, be good, be a good team player. Like use all the stupid BS analogies and uh, and just use, your, use the negative as almost a positive for why you're such a great worker. You do have to show yeah, face. Yeah, right the idea that you can just put your head down and do good work and then be rewarded like that's just not it's just not realistic it really isn't
0: yep okay let's do two more um okay this is from kev by the way almost of the thousand or so emails that we got immediately here um i don't know if anybody's over 30 it's unbelievable how but you know there're also you know, <laughs> You know, south of twenty-five, you probably need a little bit more advice. Kyle knows what I'm talking about. Okay. This is a weird one. Kev says, I have a coworker that continues to hit on me to the point where others at work have made a giant deal about it. Sounds like something they're quarantined with solve, but I've been working about 60 hours a week for the duration of this coronavirus deal the company i work for sells disinfectant uv equipment to hospitals all over the world so we've been nonstop for a few months now although it's been great to work through the shutdown and also provide equipment to medical centers that limits exposure to the virus there are a few negatives first off truly jealous of the quarantine there's a zag for you you didn't you'd expect that but if you're working 60 hours a week i guess i can understand that um i should be more appreciative But wearing a mask 10 hours a day in a warehouse with no air conditioning is less fun than you'd expect. Sounds like all of you just can't handle being home all day. Hold my beer, huh? You know what? A little wake-up call here from the outside. Maybe making a good point. More importantly, I'd like to solve this coworker dilemma while we're around each other constantly. It's not a get-away-from-me deal. She is attractive and easy to get along with, but dating somebody from work just doesn't seem right to me, especially if it doesn't work out. It would surely damage our working relationship. She works in sales, and I take care of the shipping department. So I work with her directly throughout the day. The just friends move seems like it could backfire. The I'm seeing someone response doesn't make sense admits the shutdown. Need some suggestions. Longest that, thing I've written in 10 years, but I love the pod.
2: See, that's <laughs> sus because my first thing was to say, just say that, you're, say that you're with somebody for the time being. That way, like in the future, it keeps the door open. She's still kind of interested but she kind of knows maybe to back off a little bit and it helps you, but it doesn't hurt you in the short term. So the fact that I, I, I still think that's an okay way to go. Like why would why, just just say that you're taken for now and then she doesn't have to know if that's true or not or know where the person is. And then it totally leaves the future for whether or not you want to maybe you move to a different job and she's kind of cool and you actually do want to go out with her. I don't know. I feel like that opens the most doors for the future and helps you out the most
0: i get the sense he doesn't want to date her at all okay so we could start there um whether it's his own options or that he's not attracted to her and was trying to be nice in the email or she's sort of attractive or whatever he was trying to say like you want to none of us are that complicated male or female you either want to hang out with somebody or you don't and the (laughs) person kind of less likely it is yeah the person will that you want to hang out with is is more often than not going to let you know. I mean, I sometimes I'll hear these stories about guys who are like, I just he just kept asking me out, and you're like, How? Why would you ask <laughs> someone out like 10 times? It yeah, doesn't it have make some respect a- <laughs> right, for yourself. Like, it's just, you know, like pass the ball. <laughs> so uh The quarantine thing does suck, though, for him because he can't say, hey. And by the way, like there's guys listening to this right now that are out of work being like there's a girl at work that's interested in you. As far as the dating somebody (laughs) at work, I mean, I've done it. And sometimes you just have to. Like, did you really think that I was going to work that many hours a week and work in Bristol and then be in Hartford and then not date a coworker that lived in my building? Like, of course I was. Like, that was a layup. Um, And yes, it blows. When you're not dating that person and you're at work, it's the worst. I hated it. And then we had like a thing at ESPN after Steve Phillips went crazy where we all got yelled at for like dating anybody. And you're just going like, okay, but like I legitimately met my girl. Like I felt like people were looking at me. I'm like, we're not full-time employees. Like we just started dating and we live in the same building. It's it's not a big deal. We work in completely different apartments, and I couldn't have been more respectable after I mean, I never said anything about it, but it sucked. It sucked. So that was a little different situation. Yes, the breaking up at work is way worse than the dating at work, unless you're just PDA couple. And then it's like, everybody's going to want to get you fired. They're going to pull a Toby Flenderson and put some basil in a plastic bag on you. But I, I just I just think what you got to do is say, hey, it's a quarantine. We're all t-. blame the quarantine. Can you? Is that? Yeah. Is that? Yeah.
2: That's a good call. Just say you're not emotionally ready to do something because the quarantine's got you kind of worked up. I, I that's listen no one's gonna push you on that one i think it's i think it's a fair that's a fair
0: excuse yeah 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 i there you go we just solved his problems i like this guy okay he's all right um, all right last one last one and then we'll say goodbye on today's pod dating uh the subject itself I always got to check the ends of these to see, to make sure that they don't say, because like I'll read the name and then read the email. And then at the end, it'll say, please don't use my name. Put those at the top. This is Craig. I don't think Craig cares. Craig's, Craig's rowdy. He's just, he's just out there. So Craig's (laughs) (laughs) question for us is, hey guys, uh, I've been talking to a lot of girls on dating apps the past few weeks. Shout out Craig. With all the downtime, it's nice to keep my flirting muscles loose. Normally, after a few days of good conversation, I'll ask a girl on a date and go from there. Since that's out of the picture for at least the next few weeks, what can I do to keep things going with the right girls? Is a FaceTime date corny? Can we schedule a date TBD, or do I have to keep boring small talk going for a few weeks? Thanks for the help. Stay safe, man.
2: Do you know what I was thinking? Once this thing is over people are, start, are able to go out again, and it's like open season at the bar. Like It'll hooking up is going to be the easiest thing ever. Like yeah. it's like, it's, I mean, it's going to be insane. So I would say I would wait it out as long as possible because I feel like if you do a FaceTime thing, you're more likely to maybe show that like, she's not that into you. Whereas like, if you wait this thing out, yeah, it might be, it might suck in the short term, but the long term, you're going to be meeting all these people and doing all these things. Cause people are going to be so desperate, desperate for any sort of human contact and interaction. Like I would, I, that that to me, Go the long play. Wait this thing out. Don't do a Facetime date. Kind of keep her at at, at arm's length as, as much as possible. And then once this thing is open season, just get after it.
0: Yeah, I can't even fathom what it would be like to be in a major city in your twenties, oh. no real cares. Like you're going to be hitting it on like Tuesdays. You'd be like, who's up for a couple of G and Ts? Like the productivity, you think it's bad now. Wait until your entire twenty-something staff is just hung over every day for the first month coming out of this thing. So, uh, I I got I got a couple additions to that. I wouldn't be a little afraid of a FaceTime, but you better have your material prepped and your exit prep too, because you don't want to set some sort of bad example where, like, maybe she's really into the FaceTime, and then you're like, I want to cut this short. But then if you're FaceTime, and you got to worry about the angle. Like I'm not real photogenic. So, you know, I've always gonna be thinking about that stuff. Um, I mean, I'm not in that world anymore, but it's just, you know, it's just something that you gotta think about. You gotta think about your backdrop. Like you can't have a bunch of spitters in the background or something, you know, because a girl might be like, Who's this dude I met on this app? And he's <laughs> he's he's doing some sort of like, like, what's his story? Does he want to be a cowboy? Um I, I just I, I think there's a lot of things that you have to make sure you have right. I'm not against it. But don't do the "let's get something on the books" thing, because then you seem a little desperate, a little psychotic. Slow play the hell out of this, because, like you said, Sarudi, it's going to be it's going to be Coachella mixed with ecstasy, which it probably already is um, for some of these these higher densely populated areas. for young people uh, don't don't do the "Hey, do you want to June third get sushi?" Don't do that because it makes you look like a loser, even if it makes you feel like you're locking something down.
2: You know what's Dumb. weird too is I feel like going out. To a bar, like if you're going on a first date with somebody that you meet on Tinder or Bumble or wherever, and you go out and you maybe get a meal or whatever, a couple of drinks like he says some G&Ts, uh, I feel like that's easier than FaceTiming. is hard, man. FaceTiming is real personal. It's like face only. You, you're kind of looking at yourself to make sure you look okay the entire time. You got, you're right. You got to make sure the backdrop. I honestly feel like a FaceTime date is significantly more challenging than a real life in-person date.
0: Yeah, totally. Because it's just on you. There's no, there's no like waiter that you can make a joke about. You know, shout out to the waiters. But you're going to get used as a pawn in that kind of scenario where if you do something that's a little off, then you know, hey, what, what, what about this guy? You know, that gives you a little more material. You know, there's things you could play off observations that you can make. Like you're going to just lock in on somebody else's eyes for 30 minutes that you just been on a dating app, FaceTiming. Give me a break. He yeah, has a
2: good call. You can't you talk be about ready. the environment. Yeah, you can't talk about the environment that you're both in, make jokes, and that's a good thing too. Like if you've got like a can like if you're like, you know, fresh out of college, you've got a wall full of empty beer cans. Like try to avoid that wall as the backdrop for sure. There's just too yeah. many variables, I feel like. Too many things that can go wrong. Plus I, you got to imagine I, she's probably doing ahead. it with somebody else too, right? She's probably also facetiming other dudes. You got to take that into account as well. Like this is probably not just a one-time situation.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um that's one of the dumbest things you could be like, "Wait a minute, you know?" And then uh it's easier to track down though, you know. Wait a minute. But you're not talking to just her either. So everybody's got the same set of rules here. Just be ready to do it, is all I'm saying. Just be ready to do it if you're going to do it. And probably don't start right up and be like, can you believe people knocking Trump? God.
2: <laughs> He's doing a great <laughs> job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like start it right in with, yeah. the, with the politics. Be like, like you know, like, I can't believe it's CNN sucks, huh? Really giving See him the business. Guys, yeah. Press and that's, that's just an observation. Okay, we can follow you where, Suri?
2: Uh, I'm at Cerruti, not for, yeah, most people think it's Cerruti, like I'm some sort of, you know, knight Knight. at round table, but no, it's C-E-R-U-T-I, and I don't even know what my Instagram, I think it's just at Steve underscore Saruti on Instagram, what's up, Try to put some more content out there.
0: Boom. Um, you're the man, we talk all the time, let me know, and can't wait to see what's next, and I'm gonna help you however I can, all right, we'll figure it out. Thanks,
2: man, appreciate it, good times.
0: Wow, an hour and a half, and (laughs) we didn't, we did it a little differently today, so I hope you enjoyed it. We got some draft stuff. Dilfer is, is booked to go. We're going to have McShea on, so I'm not quite sure how the days on this whole thing are going to work out because these guys are actually legitimately busy, whether they're working with players or doing all the reports and all that stuff, but we'll probably NBA draft or NFL draft. NBA draft uh, pods, probably not crushing right now, but uh, yeah, we'll do some NFL stuff, and then you know, there's some flyers out there, feelers. For some uh famous people to come on in different fields. Mike and Jones? We will uh Mike Jones. Yeah. The Mike Jones thing did not go as well as I know. We, we I gave planned.
1: up. It'll be a nice surprise
0: if it ever pans out. Yeah. The Mike Jones, um Mike Jones night did not work out. It was uh it was well, a story to be told. Maybe <laughs> in the book one day. Maybe nothing. It's actually not that dramatic. It's just there was there was a big confusion and to this day i don't even know what the hell i'm talking about right now i guess the point is that uh you know there's a mystery there's a mystery of uh i don't talk to anybody now because of that night it's a bummer oh shit yeah yeah i still think i'm right so there you go all right everybody you stay you stay thinking you're right in your head every day all right i'll leave you with that Yeah. Good luck with that one. Some of the married guys are like, yeah, it's going to last about 30 seconds. Uh, please subscribe, download, rate, review the Ryan Rossillo podcast on The Ringer. Check out all of our other stuff. Bill and I, every Sunday, going over old Bulls games now. The we'll rewatch of Bulls, which was so much fun to watch kind of not prime magic, but just awesome magic still in 1991. And then MJ's going, okay, enough of this. I know everybody else is tired. I'm tired too. I'm better. I'm going to win this game. Game three, 91, his first ring. And Bill and I are going through I wonder if he's going to let me pick one. My guess is he's not. (laughs) I wonder, too. (laughs) He'll probably let me get one, maybe. If I say something on the pod, like, hey, can I pick one of the six? He'll be like, yeah, of course. But, like, the first one I wanted to pick, I was like, hey, should we do the Celtics 63-point game? He's like, no. Like, he goes, it's kind of overrated. I was like, oh. But then he made a couple good points, you know, as to why it was. But I go, yeah, but that was, like, the first moment for Jordan because watching the broadcast and how he's talked about along his timeline, it's always a reminder of like, oh, wait, he'd only been in the league a couple of years and this was like his coming out party nationally. And then even though it wasn't a loss, because that was the same thing in the 91 finals is that Marv is kind of giving him a hard time. Byron Scott's mad that Jordan looked back at their bench when he didn't miss a shot for like an hour in game two. And you're still talking about Jordan as a pre-six rings Jordan. He's a pre-one ring Jordan. So it's also, I think, fun to consume it from the way his story has been told up until that point as opposed to the 20 years of information we would have after say that 63 point game so anyway i uh we put some work in today kyle i'm sorry you probably didn't think you were gonna be here an hour and a half with saruti in a mailbag but there we are all right talk to you this week